Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Father God, we just want to thank you for this time of fellowship. We welcome you, Spirit. Come and have your way with us. Father God, guide us in our words, our actions, and our thoughts today as we share your love with one another and the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today's our guest is a fine Catholic from Acadiana. We're featuring outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana. And today we have Mr. Dustin Bertrand from Abbeville, Louisiana. <laughs> How Welcome, you Dustin. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for being here. Uh, Dustin uh, has has spoken at uh, the Faith Divers at St. Jules mm-hmm. Church, and that's how I got to know Dustin because my sister-in-law was bragging all about him. And uh, I think he's a, a young man that I've, in the very short time I've got to spend with him, just really uh, an awesome soldier for Christ. Thank and, you. Thank and, uh, you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, man, yeah, I'm from Abbeville, Louisiana, small town Cajun boy. I went to uh, Mount Carmel and uh, Vermillion Catholic High School. Uh, I graduated from high school in 2008. Went on to McNeese to walk on uh, for golf and earn a, earn a small scholarship there. And then uh, in 2013, uh, my life kind of took a whole, <laughs> a whole nother route. I discerned the Catholic priesthood in the seminary. And from there is kind of where my ministry life was birthed and this radical ride with the Holy Spirit started. Nice. So, you know, I'm a big golfer. I love golf. Golf doesn't <laughs> love me, but I do love golf. And uh <laughs> I don't know if you watched the PGA this week and uh, this gentleman, Lashley, that won, and that was just quite a story. No, and an amazing story, man. What yeah. a test of perseverance and just courage, man. Losing yeah, for his- those of you who don't know the story, just briefly, he, you know, his parents came to see him in college and his mm-hmm. girlfriend, and they were in a small plane, and all three of them died uh, on their way back from, from him to see golf, and he kind of got away from golf, and at, at an age of like 34 years old, this man went out there and won the won tournament. The PGA Unbelievable. That's how God works, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so tell us your story. Uh, you know, uh, tell me a little bit about about your, your testimony. Yeah, well, you know, before getting to Mount Karma, uh, I was raised by a single parent till at the age of six years old. Uh, my mother married my stepfather at seven and, and gracious with her little brother, uh, Shay Laporte, who actually is a former UL football player. He graduated last year, and now he's going off to med school. So um, that's kind of where we started. Our family unit started. But actually, when that started, I realized that, you know, he wasn't my father, my stepfather. Um, where was dad before dad was an internal question I started asking myself at a very young age. But loving my mom so much, like I never questioned that, you know. She said, look, hey, look, this is dad, this is dad, call him dad. And so I did and, you know, fell in love with him and the family. But as life started going on, you know, things started happening. Uh, their family, their marriage kind of got rocky and things started coming up. You know, some dysfunctional, some, some dysfunctional things, symptoms, you know, behaviors. And me and his relationship started kind of separating. Well, he did introduce me to golf, and that's at 10 years old, I started playing golf and diving into golf, like, every day, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you know, get dropped off at the country club in Abbeville, and that was, like, my whole life. So we fast forward into high school, and, you know, get to high school, you want to start dating. You know, I was getting peer pressure from some of my good friends, like, why don't you date? You play too much golf. <laughs> I was like, well, it's a lot easier to play golf than find a woman. But uh, I started dating this young girl, and unfortunately, uh, her father didn't approve of it. And for the first time in my life, I realized I was a little different than my family. And what I meant by that is I was very green, but he thought that people were going to look down on his daughter for dating someone like me. I come from an all, you know, white American family, and I'm mixed, but I never really talked about that with anyone. Our family never talked about that between us. It was kind of something we glossed over. 
And so for the next probably three or four years of my life, from my sophomore year to going into college, I struggled with my identity. Um, I struggled with, you know, places to fit in. You know, when I was with my white friends, I was the mixed guy. When I was with my African-American friends, I was that boy that goes to that white boy school, <laughs> which is sad, but that's just the way of the world, right? Life is hard. You know, it'll beat you down to your knees. And uh, you kind of got to persevere for some of those things. And I started in a broken way, holding on to my truth and my confidence through golf and, and somewhat my understanding what Christianity was. Even though I was going to a Catholic school, it didn't really take place in my heart uh, at that time. Well, I go off to college. Um, we've had my mom and my stepfather had like separated through Katrina. So my father relationship, father-son relationship with him was not really well. Just seeing some things that didn't match up with what I thought love was supposed to be and what love should be towards their wife and kids and commitment and fidelity and truth. I'm not saying anyone has to be perfect, but that's just what I wrestled with as an as adolescent growing up trying to become a young man. And in 2009 is when things really started to change uh, for me. I had a traumatic experience of realizing that I always had to have open heart surgery. I was born with three holes in my heart, two of them closed up, and I have a kidney disease called FSGS. And they had been monitoring that my whole life. I'd go to um, Houston, every three months for my kidney disease and then my heart which is checked was checked on every you know whatever six months or once a year where well, I started getting really fatigued tired uh, they thought it might have been depression for being you know living in college living in, at Magnes an hour and a half away being away from family could have been depression anxiety and so we went checked that out but what what was happening is my hole in my heart it was called a VSD started leaking more and the more it started leaking you know, the more tired I would get I couldn't push myself as much as I wanted to and so we talked about it, and they said, well, you can have open heart surgery now, or you can wait till you later, but you will be affected as it keeps getting worse. Well, being an athlete my whole life, you know, all-state athlete in high school, and then really trying to be a professional golfer, hopefully, you know, if that was God's plan for my life, at that time, I was like, well, we need to take care of this now. I'm young. I'm going to heal fast. Uh, let's just do it. And I remember telling my friend, Travis Franks, he's a buddy of mine from Lake Charles, he's like, you really going to have open heart surgery? And at this time, in college, my faith started being external. You know, not in a broad way, but like, and not in a very bold way, but like, I would tell him, no, God's going to take care of me. You know, that was kind of like the stint of my boldness and my faith. I knew that he loved me, and in some way he was going to protect me. So before we had to have uh, the Hope and Our Surge, you have to fill out paperwork, insurance work. And as I was, you know, checking off things, you know, former surgeries, you know, have you had this, blah, 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 this disease, diabetes, blah, blah, blah. I got to a point where it says, well, you also have a 3 or 5% chance of not, you know, dying, not waking up. And that really hit me hard. Um, it really struck a chord with me. Being a young man, you know, the thought of dying with so much life to live was something that, you know, I wasn't ready for, to be honest. And it really made me reflect into my life and what I had been, been through. And I kept thinking about the things that I encountered through high school and my identity struggle that I was still, still dealing with. You know, still hadn't dated anyone since I dated that girl in high school and really didn't even <laughs> know how to do it in a healthy way, to be honest. And so I went to my mom, and I finally told her, I said, you know what, Mom, I've been through some stuff, you know, in high school, college, and I'm struggling with stuff internally. I need to know where I come from. You know, I know my stepdad has done this for our family, but I need to know who was dad before him. And she saw the look in my eyes. She knew finally she couldn't just, you know, like I was young, she kind of, you know, changed the subject back then, but she knew I was 20 years old, and there's no way she could do that now. And I said, Mom, I really need to know, just in case. And it's one of those moments in your life where you know your life's about to change. And it's one of those moments that you can go back to, no matter how old I'm going to be, I can know where I was sitting 
you know, what the grass smelled like, the chair we was on, the table we were sitting at, the address of the home, you know, and I'll say 306 Natasha, Abbeville, Louisiana, just south of the airport. And it was, it was in between, we had a pool house and my grandma was living behind us as well. So it was our house, the pool house, and my grandma's house. And we were in between the pool house and my grandma's house. And she sat me down and we started talking. And immediately she started tearing up. And I, I wasn't sure, you know, what that meant, but I knew that means what she was about to say was gonna be very emotional and very tough for her to talk about. And I said, Ma, it's okay, I just, I'm here. I just wanna know, you know, who is my dad? And she goes on to say, I really don't know. And I look at her, she's like, I, I really, truly don't remember. And I was like, what do you mean? And she walked me through a time, you know, Louisiana Saturday night, you know, most of us can relate to, you know, some Cajun music, some Zydeco, some Keith Frank, some Chris Aldwin, whatever you want to call it or you can better relate to, that her and some friends went out to whatever, Jefferson Street, I don't know the bars back then or the, the, the hot spots back then, I, was, I wasn't even around. And they were having a good time, but she remembers just waking up the next morning. Unfortunately, she was in this uh, apartment building. Uh, she didn't know how she got there. Uh, it's like this, all this hotel room. She didn't know how she had got there, who brought her there, but she was alone. And unfortunately, I don't think I have to put the details in for y'all guys that uh, she was verbally and physically abused as she could as much remember. And uh, she was very scared and, and lost. So she got herself together because, you know, most of us in America, that's what we do, right? We're being an Americanized. Men are supposed to be tough, shed no emotion. And women, so say, are supposed to be independent. They don't need a man. So she got herself together with the help of this maid. And actually this maid asked her, are you okay? And she's like, not really, I don't know what happened. She, and this maid, uh, from what my mom remembers, uh, said like, don't worry, you hadn't been the only one, I'll help you. Mm. And um, don't know, you know why they didn't dive more into that. You, know, you just never know when something dramatic like that happens to people, why they handle it in certain ways. But she was a strong-willed woman. She got herself together and started living her life. But a month later, she realized she was pregnant. Mm. And uh, she had a decision to make. And, She's like, well, you know, none of my family know what, really what happened to me. I didn't tell any of my friends. Uh, the easier fix would be to have this, this, this unborn, you know, boarded, and I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to address any of the questions that I don't even know. And, but by the grace of God, she decided nine months later to have the baby. And the, the cool thing about that is the baby was me. <laughs> 29 years later, here I am. And, uh, Amen. yeah, that was a conversation that literally uh, changed the scope of my life. I knew then that there was no way that uh, I was going to be the man that I knew treated my mom. There's no way I was going to be that type of man. And then I knew what type of husband that I wanted to be. Didn't necessarily know how I was going to be it. But I knew that uh, if this faith stuff was right, if this Jesus Christ was what my school said he was, uh, in some way that he was going to get me there. And uh, after that is when I started going to life awareness retreats. And funny, we were talking about it earlier, Todd. Uh, you, you mentioned Father Joshua Johnson in a uh, later, con later conversation. Well, right before this surgery, is I met him uh, at a life awareness retreat uh, in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and he started helping me. Uh, before I had open surgery, he started taking my identity out of golf. And he said, you have put your identity in golf because you don't know who your father is. And so it's funny how the Holy Spirit did that. He started, started prompting that healing before the big conversation which really got me over the top with that that father wound and that's when I truly believe like the Holy Spirit started becoming more and more alive in my life I think it was always there but uh through that surgery in 2009 I uh like I said I started growing more in my faith I graduated in 2012 and around 2009 a religion teacher Miss Reba Broussard from Abbeville Louisiana asked me this deep question she's like you ever thought about discerning the Catholic priesthood 
And I was like, no, Miss Reed, you know I love women too much. <laughs> and she was like, no, I know, but you think about yourself in such a deep, deep reality. I feel like there's something, something, a calling that could be being birthed inside of you. And I said, that's fine. So it took me about three years to be open to that. So uh, I graduated in 2012, and in 2013, I, uh, I was going to miss a mass, to be honest, to go play basketball. Oh, God, have mercy on me. And uh, instead, I went and walking into this mass, I met my former religion teacher, Miss Reba. She said hello. She said, how you been? It's been pretty good. And then the whole homily in 2013 was about praying for future seminarians, discernments of vocations, uh, you know, offering just intercessory prayers to, to people that are battling with that, that calling. And uh, I immediately knew. I started crying. And uh, it was fun. I started crying then. And then as I got closer to the the Eucharist, I just started, you know, I was in tears as I received that Eucharist that day, and I was, I knew in my heart that God was saying, hey, I need you to go discern over there, go to the seminary, and uh, I told my mom on her birthday, uh, what's that date? On my mother's birthday, April 28th, yeah, I hope I said that right, <laughs> <laughs> it's either 28th or 29th, okay. this is terrible, huh? <laughs> mom, forgive me, oh, forgive me. That's okay. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just into the numbers. Yeah, I understand. I'm yeah. with you. Uh, me too. And uh, so in that August of 2013, I discerned the Catholic priesthood. Went to St. Ben's in Covington, Louisiana. And that's where a lot of healing started happening. It's an amazing place. I've been on, on a retreat there a few times. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful spot. Yeah. Man. And I believe every faithful man that uh, no matter what stage of life, before you get married, if you, if, if you feel that discerning or that calling, Go do it. You know, it's not wasted time, even if you don't reach the fullness of the priesthood. For sure. It's uh, it's only going to help you become a better husband, or, or, or even if you have a vocation of being single one day, it's only going to heighten that experience. And so then they had a whole experience in itself, <laughs> being there, being around such faithful men. I uh, started to commit my whole life to becoming a priest. I gave up golf. I stopped playing. Kind of shut myself off from the outside world. But it was amazing. As I started doing that, Three or four months in, I started diving deeper in. I felt called out. I <laughs> uh, started healing from my father wounds, uh, you know, being from a divorce home, and, and some, of the, some of the things that the world just threw at me. Uh, God started giving me a deeper confidence, uh, you know, deeper healing. I rediscovered chastity, understanding, you know, understanding that whole battle as men battling the flesh and being more driven by the spirit and, and not our cardinal desires. And about four months in, like towards the end of the semester, I felt this this desire that God wanted me to speak, you know, and share character building training, share the gospel, and that he would even possibly let me build up golf again through that gospel-centered focus. And as I started praying about that, I started getting more convicted and more drawn out until this, I think, I don't know, I can't tell the dates. I'm sorry, my man, I don't have a number for you then, but <laughs> <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> uh, it was one time uh, this the 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 abbot of the uh, seminary, Mr. Father Gregory, said I should start playing golf more. So I started playing on Saturdays at the time of release and to kind of desensitize from the, maybe the stresses of you know spiritual life and whatnot. I came in and I spoke to Father. He's now Father Sam Orsat from Lake Charles. And he said, how are you, man? I said, uh, I'm okay. But uh, I don't know, man. I just, I'm feeling the presence of God and our, just a deeper peace when, I, when I'm not around here. And... He said something, and I'll tell you why it was meant so much to me after I explained this. He said, you know, we're all fighting the same fight. You know, some of us are going to be priests. Some of us are going to be soldiers and good fathers. And when he said soldiers and good fathers, that struck a very strong chord inside of me. Uh, 
Because leading up to that time, in my prayer time, I felt like I could be a good soldier for the priest. I felt like I could get people into the church. I felt like I could make the faith attractive for our, our priests, our good shepherds of our parish. And then let them do the rest. Let them minister the sacraments and, and counsel them and whatnot. But I really, truly felt like I could make our faith attractive again, or more attractive, you know? Uh, keep people into the church and bring more people in. Hence, evangelize. I just didn't have the terminology then to understand that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he said soldier and good father, I just felt like that was a prompting of the Holy Spirit in my heart, in which it was confirmed, you know, like I said, Todd, uh, you know, in our later conversation about two year and a half ago, he confirmed the, that conversation we had, me and Father Sam. And so I took that to prayer, and about two weeks after that, or three weeks after that, I discerned out the Catholic priesthood. And to double check, because I always like to discern things that the Holy Spirit, you know, prompts me to do. You know, you know it's something, you know it's God's will if he affirms it and confirms it. <laughs> so that's what I did. I was running again one night, about a week before I was going to leave the Catholic, pre- uh, Catholic seminary. I said, Lord, make sure this is of you. Make sure I'm not running from you. And uh, I sat down at this bench in the cemetery behind the school. It was late at night, probably like 10 o'clock. So I didn't really didn't look around before I sat down. I've been there before. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful, but it's kind of spooky at the it same time. <laughs> the, the stars are amazing back then. So anyone that has a chance to go, I advise you to go. So I sat down and I started praying. I closed my eyes. I said, you know, Father God, please, I'm really good at running away from you. <laughs> I don't want to do this if this is not your will. This is not your plan in my life. Please affirm it or confirm it, you know. And uh, as I finished that prayer, I opened up my eyes, and the most amazing thing, there was a foot jar golf glove and some golf balls sitting in front of me by this gravesite in Covington, Louisiana, <laughs> behind, seminary, by the, behind the seminary school, St. Ben's. I was like, there is no way. That's just a coincidence. I call that a godsidence. And uh, I said, you know what? Let's do this. You know, so I had this peace that I was making the decision God wanted me to make, whether or not if people understood it or not. And uh, that started the, the path where the ministry I had now founded, God Made, Self-Driven, God Made Self-Driven, began. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Dustin Bertrand from Abbeville. He's telling us a riveting story about his testimony and uh, being at St. Ben's. And I'll let you go ahead and continue. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. So discerning out in late 2013, I, I started this, this plan or this vision of speaking and, and playing trying to play professional golf right that was, that was the goal you know if God was gonna gonna bless and anoint the the golfing ability to do it for a living then so be it but I knew I had to speak about the gospel I knew I had to speak to like fellow Christian athletes and share with them work ethic routine perseverance courage and uh, sacrifice and tie it into their spirituality as Christians and so I did that my first speaking engagement was at a university in Eunice LSUE at their FCA group a group of about you know 50 60 kids and I say kids, I'm all bad, they're my age, peers. <laughs> 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 Sorry, fellas, not to insult y'all. Um, <laughs> and I remember the feeling of speaking the first time. You know, this just fulfillment, this joy, this peace. Uh, like, I, even though I poured out, I felt like I received something. And it was beyond any golf score I ever shot. It was beyond, it was beyond any golf term I ever won. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to keep doing this. And so for a year, I did the golf and I did the speaking. And God blessed both. I caddied on the web.com tour for uh, one of the number one amateurs to ever come out of Mexico, Andreas Escavaria. Um, he played at Florida University with Billy Herschel, who's also on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. I started caddying with him at the Chile Macho Open at La Chonf, uh in 2014. That was my first uh, event with him. Then I went off to go to Kansas, and we went to Ohio. And in Ohio was where 
uh, the journey of speaking golf kind of went separate ways. In Ohio, we were uh, paired up with Tony Fina, who's also on the PGA Tour right now. He's one of the top players in the world. And we were we had two holes left, and we just got a one-shot lead on this tournament. So to give you a little background, if this guy would have won this tournament, Andreas would have won this tournament, he'd have received his PGA Tour card, meaning he'd have been playing with the, the likes of Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, and whatnot. And I would have had a hefty check waiting on me, <laughs> and that would have changed my life as well. So we have this one-shot lead, two holes to go. All my man has to do is finish par-par. He could finish even bogey-bogey. And here comes the PGA Tour. Come on, Tiger, we're coming for you. Well, he doesn't, unfortunately. And actually, maybe fortunately, you know, as God's permitting will. Uh, he went double-double, and he lost his uh, tour card, a chance of a tour card, by $35, fellas. $35, man. The, the PGA Tour is just a, a really hard industry. Well, when I watched that, it was... Uh, it's like almost like a revelation to me. Uh, this young man who was about my age at that time, uh, just to see him break down in tears, uh, so heartbroken. Uh, so what was just, his faith like? I don't know. No, never we never had that conversation. You know, I never went there with him. I wasn't as evangel evangelistic yeah. <laughs> as I am now, I guess you would say. I kind of let, I had a job to do for him. I kind of just kept it at that. Stayed in my own See, lane. y'all would have prayed together on those last Come on two now. Holes, Come I on, mean. somebody. <laughs> Preach. You're right. Might have been, been in the Masters. You know? Gosh. You know? Maybe <laughs> I'll still be there one day. Because <laughs> I'm starting to play again, so who knows? Yeah. Um, no, but you're right. So I, I don't know his faith journey, but being from Mexico, you know, I'm sure maybe he had some, some Catholic heritage or whatnot. I'm not sure. I'm sure. You know? And um, so watching him break down and just really just, you know, I'm saddened for him, but seeing him get into a car by himself, he lived with, with people he didn't know at that time to save money. Hopping a plane by himself, hopping another plane to go to a place in Florida away from his family. And he has such a – I do know this about him. His family, his mom and dad are really knowledgeable in the golf industry. Have a golf, He has a strong golf pedigree. His brother, he's a professional as well right now. He had so much golf pedigree in his family and financial backing. I did know that. And to see how hard it was for him and to see how many things had to line up for him, uh, I humbly knew that I was far from that. And I guess I'll say he was a little bit better than me at that time. So not just, not just talent-wise, but financially and family backing of the golf knowledge of what it takes to sustain yourself in that. He was leaps and bounds, and it was so hard for him to finish. You know, how much harder would it be for me? You know, I would, I would be playing for food, man. I would be playing for my, my gas. I mean, I would literally be playing for my next meal. Because at that time, I was packing meat at Bear's Meat Market in the morning. I was cleaning toilets at Snap Fitness to save money to better play golf for eight hours. And then I was working out two hours a day, to, you know, because golf's a sport now, man. You know, real athletes play this game. And I just realized, God humbled me and said, there's no way. And so I stepped away from golf and continued the pursuit of just speaking. And in 2015, I was working out at Snap Fitness and just through prayer and listening to Christian music, worship music, Christian rap, I got the name God Made Self Driven. I wanted to give that to the athletes so they can like hold on to besides my name. And so it just that just God breathed on that. It started being as a shirt I wore to selling shirts out the back of my car, becoming a small LLC, and then you know six years in, it's now a nonprofit. Uh, my salary is, is fully fundraised from monthly donors, love offerings. Uh, we do this re, this conference that the bishop has verbally blessed called Spiritu Sanctus. It's for the rural parishes in our Lafayette diocese, the one that don't have predominant you know youth ministries and youth ministry funds. We did one last year. We got about 200 kids there. We're hoping to do it again this year, December 7th, which may have a, hopefully we can double our capacity and have more of the rural parishes, parishes uh, involved with it. 
for the confirmation growth and preparation. And uh, it, it's just been a whirlwind, man. Some of the places God has taken me, I, I share the table with people that this small bar from Abbeville should, should have never met. But by the Holy Spirit breathing on, God made self-driven. Uh, he, it's been amazing. A little Cajun Catholic. <laughs> yeah, amen, to yeah. his core, man. To his core. So a couple of things. I wish you could be in the studio with me today because I'm looking at this gentleman <laughs> with his good-looking shirt he's got on, <laughs> God made, self-driven. Yeah. And it's, it's really a nice shirt. But what I really wish you all could see is the, the fire in his eyes. You know, you can yeah. see the Holy Spirit and uh, Dustin and you know he's going to do great things for Acadiana yeah. and for, for the Cajun culture and, and for the Catholic Church big, most importantly you know but if somebody wanted to get one of those shirts how would they do that? Yeah well I'm on all social media platforms uh, you can follow, follow me at Dustin Bertrand on Instagram Facebook or YouTube or God Made Self Driven Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube and there's you can reach out to me there's an online site uh, I also have a website which is GodMadeSelfDriven.org where you can reach out to me to get t-shirts uh book our community for you know conferences retreats speaking engagements school functions um i also am i do have an ecumenical heart i have an advisory board so we do cross faith divides so uh, i'm not afraid to do anything you know as long as you have a under the lordship of lord jesus christ we can work together if we respect each other's boundaries actually we only have a few minutes left in the show it's going by so fast this story is so compelling yeah. i have a question and then i'll let you take it the rest of the way you yes. know what's your record round my record round uh, in tournament play, I believe it's 68. Hello. Playing with my friends is 61. Wow. Now, 61. I, I will preface the 61 because for my golf, my avid golfers in, out there, it's Abbeville Country Club. It's okay. You know, it's only about 6,200 no yards. I apologize. I know, but I mean, I, I'll preface that. It's not at a championship golf course, the 61. 61 has been coming up in my uh, <laughs> life everywhere uh, lately. That's been the big number. You know, uh, my friend Calvin just turned yeah. 61. And, okay. And, of course, you know, it's 16 backwards. So, yeah. you know, that's, oh, wow. uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's a big one for me. So, yeah. you know, bless us with these last couple of minutes, uh, a message you have out there for the youth or anyone out there listening to the show, and, and maybe we can close with some prayer as well yeah absolutely you know i think my my main message i definitely want to share with the youth and, and young adults guys is uh you have a perfect purpose you have a very specific purpose no matter where you come from i tell everyone all the time you know you may have genetics but your your designer your design trumps your genetics and we're all made in god's image and likeness we are first and foremost made in god's image and likeness and secondary made in image and likeness of our parents so i'm not a residue of a rapist what I am is a re-representation of my Heavenly Father's love, called according to His purpose. And each and every one of us has that opportunity and has granted that authority and identity. So I want to exhort you and affirm you into walking in confidence, walk in this freedom that the Holy Spirit has given you from the blood of Jesus Christ. Trust in the words of Jesus. Trust in the Word of God, because it is alive. It is just as alive as it was 2,000 years ago, as it is today, and will be tomorrow. Rest in that, rest in that sustenance. Rest in, that, rest in that faithfulness. He will never forsake you. There's, scripture says you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know why there's a shadow? Because there's still life with you, walking above you. God ain't protecting you through those dark turns and corners. So I just, man, I pray a hedge of protection. I pray that the Holy Spirit fills you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I don't know where you are or what obstacle or mountaintop you're trying to climb on, but I know our Lord God is with you, and he will never forsake you or leave you. So just rest in that. Rest in that peace and rest in that promise. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, our good friend, Father Josh, uh, married my daughter. And wow. one of the things he said, and I know 
Dustin's a very eligible bachelor. He said, <laughs> feast your eyes on Christ yes. if you're out there and you're looking for a partner and start walking and keep yeah. walking. And when you feel like you get real close, then look to the right or left and grab that person because that's the person you need to marry. Come on, somebody. I received that today in Jesus' name. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Cajun Catholic Show. Today's guest has been Dustin Bertrand. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Until next time, engage the Cajun Catholic in you, and God bless.